This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top headlines. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is adopting a new number in the Granite State. Governor Sununu says state officials are preparing for another COVID-19 surge this winter. And New Hampshire's top health official is stepping down. Joining us now to talk about all of that and some more items are NHPR's Ali Pham and in-depth New Hampshire's Paula Tracy. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks both for getting up early and talking with us this morning. Um, the state's Health and Human Services Commissioner, Lori Shibonette, announced her resignation this week. She'll be stepping down later this year. As commissioner, she was responsible for overseeing Medicaid and other public benefits, child protection programs, services for people with disabilities, and much more. Allie, can you tell us what her departure means for, for the state's largest agency? Right. So, I mean, obviously, they're going to have to find a new head for this massive department. They do have some time to do that, though. I mean, Shibonette said that she'll remain in her post through December. I think it will be interesting to see where the next person kind of takes this department, especially because Commissioner Shibonette's so much of her time and energy, you know, was spent <laughs> dealing with the the COVID pandemic. Um, but, you know, one big priority for her was definitely mental health. And she played a very public role in the state's acquisition of Hampstead Hospital. And she really hoped that would improve psychiatric care for kids. So we'll see what the next uh, commissioner does to build on that and how they navigate some of the challenges that will come with the state running that hospital that I know have been top of mind for Shibonette, like how to actually adequately staff it to open up all of those extra beds that have, you know, been going unused um, due to staffing shortages when it was privately owned. Yeah, a long time in coming for the state. Yeah. Shibonette stepped into that position, as you said, Ellie, not long before the pandemic hit New Hampshire, and she played a massive role in shaping the response to COVID. Paula, what stands out to you about Shibonette's time as commissioner? Well, the word courage comes to mind. She used her knowledge and experience first as a nurse and then as an administrator to advise the governor and council on contracts and services, regardless of politics. And I recall in September of 2021, um, when a top Republican told the fiscal committee most of those being hospitalized with COVID had been vaccinated, she told him flat out he was um, spreading misinformation. She also held firm um, in October 21 when um, the state was trying to um, accept $27 million for vaccinations and protesters disrupted and canceled executive council meetings. She was willing to take on these issues and misinformation right in people's faces. And I think the fact that she was a nurse and is a nurse really informed her positions on things. And I, I think that that really helped us to have a top health care leader. Allie, what about um, Shibonette's time as commissioner really stands out to you, especially about, about her pandemic reaction? I mean, honestly, I had the exact same thoughts as, as Paula um, you know, just her ability to to really kind of defend her policy priorities and how she was, you know, unafraid to counter misinformation coming from um, politicians. I mean, that is definitely the thing that that sticks out to me. Paula, what kind of reaction did you hear this week from the executive council and state officials about this resignation? Well, it came as a shock. I think most everybody at the meeting um, saw um this is, is something that wasn't on their radar. Executive Counselor Jan Stevens Bry, she's a Republican, she was the first to offer thanks to Shibonette for stepping up and serving the state, noting that she was always at the other end of the phone for late night calls. 
Um, Cindy Wormington, um, who's a Democrat from Concord, also told Shabinette, quote, you have served with confidence and commitment and integrity and courage. And even Ted Gatzis, a Manchester Republican who was famous for calling her up and chewing her out about some issue, usually related to protecting children, which he champions, quipped that she was leaving just when we were getting along. And told yes, her that was actually had, a very funny moment. <laughs> and, and told her she had done a good job. Yeah, everybody was laughing at that moment. It was good. Well, she, she's here till the end of the year anyway, so maybe they can get along for a few more months, right? <laughs> we hope. Uh, Governor Sanudu addressed the Executive Council Tuesday, speaking of the council, saying that state health officials expect another COVID surge this winter, but he says the state is better prepared to deal with the virus and its new variants than ever before. Paula, what is the governor's claim based on? Why does he say that he's he's feeling so assured that we're ready to handle this? Well, actually, he, he didn't address the council specifically on the subject, but answered questions after the meeting from the press. And he said that um, yeah, he feels that um, we are better prepared because we have drugs here immediately to fight symptoms that can lead to death. And that people are, are working very hard on... Um, changing the vaccines to meet the variants that are coming. I asked him, I I was a little concerned about how we're going to know when we're in the middle of a surge, um, because we no longer um, have the reporting. People get um, tested at home and they don't report it. But he said that he's going to be watching very closely hospital admissions and severity um, of those admissions. Right now, um, I just saw um, DHHS sent out um, their weekly release, and we lost nine more people last week to COVID for a total of 2,609 deaths so far. And um, we only have 22 hospitalizations, which is pretty low right now, just to give you sort of a, a snapshot on where we are right now. Ali, I'm going to ask you what what you made of this announcement. I mean, I wasn't surprised that he said this. I mean, he made a very similar kind of prediction last year. And I mean, New Hampshire is not the only state to have winter surges. This is kind of a trend we've seen across the country in the past two years. But I think what will be interesting to watch out for is kind of how proactively his administration actually tries to reduce the severity of this surge that we do know is coming. Um, You know, I think one thing I'll be looking to, to see what they do is if they push a kind of fall booster campaign for adults, um, we know they've kind of really transitioned the vaccine rollout into the traditional healthcare sphere. So it'll be interesting to see if they feel like that's something that is is their job to take on, whether it be via messaging or actually, you know, standing up some sort of, you know, mobile response to make those boosters more accessible. It's Morning Edition here on NHPR. We are recapping this week's news with in-depth New Hampshire's Paula Tracy and NHPR's Allie Pham. If you've got questions about our reporting, you can email us at voices at nhpr.org. I want to turn your attention now to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is adopting a new number this weekend that's much easier to remember, 988. Now, the state of New Hampshire has been preparing for this by rolling out their own emergency response system. Allie, back to you. Can you explain New Hampshire's system and how people can access it? What kind of services are are provided? Yeah. So at the start of this year, New Hampshire rolled out um, this system that it calls the Rapid Response Access Point. And basically, you can call, text, or chat 1-833-710-6477 and connect with someone who can, you know, not only maybe help you resolve whatever you're going through over the phone or chat, but actually kind of function as like a dispatcher and perhaps connect you with 
with um, some local crisis supports, whether that be a follow-up appointment with a clinician in your area or actually deploying a, a team of mental health workers to, you know, wherever you might be calling from. Now, what about the national number, this 988 number that's going to be available starting tomorrow? Right. So part of why officials really got that system you know, up off the ground when they did was so that it would actually be in place when 988 went live. And so Granite Staters who have a 603 area code um, and call 988, they can actually tap into, you know, all of those local mental health emergency supports. Um, so whether you call the 988 number or the, the New Hampshire number? There is a catch there, though, and that is if you are living in New Hampshire, but say you do not have a 603 area code, you will actually, because it's not based on geolocation, it's based on your area code, you will not be routed to a New Hampshire call center. Mm. Um, And so if you are really looking for a direct line to those local New Hampshire resources, the state's number, that 1833 number, it's not going anywhere. So that can be, you know, kind of a sure bet. Okay. Well, we'll be uh, reporting more on that as that rollout goes on this weekend. I want to turn our attention now to House Majority Leader Jason Osborne making some news in the past two weeks. And over the past week, he's come under fire from Governor Sununu, a member of his own party, and others for a tweet. Paula, can you explain what happened there? Yes. Uh, about the day before uh, a lone gunman with a high-powered weapon shot and killed people at a Fourth of July parade in Illinois, Osborne posted a tweet on his public account suggesting people buy ammunition for their AK-47s rather than holiday hot dogs, and that they would, quote, thank themselves later. The response was mostly outrage, particularly given this summer when there have been so many mass shootings. Um, Osborne defended it as free speech, but then took down his public Twitter feed. The governor was asked during the holiday weekend to comment on it, but he did not. But I asked him what he thought of the tweet on Tuesday, and he called it, quote, horribly insensitive, and said he hoped people in political leadership such as Osborne would learn from their actions. Uh, And now his Twitter account, I understand, is private Uh, again. um, The New Hampshire Business Review reported this week that Osborne's company, Mammoth Tech, fired the last of his employees without notice, despite uh, getting $4 million in PPP funding granted in 2020 to retain employees. Now, we did interview Majority Leader Osborne earlier this week on Morning Edition before that news broke. Uh, listeners can find that story on Osborne's business in our full interview at nhpr.org. And he, he did mention in that interview that when he makes some of those comments on his social media account, he is being a bit provocative and maybe trying to reach a, a, a certain audience. Uh, I'm wondering what, you would, what reaction you have to that, Paula. Well, I I read the report. It was very interesting in the New Hampshire Business Review and yours as well on Mammoth Tech. But he has not been willing to uh, comment on it, nor has he allowed his father, who is the president of the company, uh, to comment. So it's hard to know exactly what's going on with with that situation. And I'm hoping that we'll have a better, um, more um, clear understanding of what happened to that company and why um, it lost so much, um, particularly uh, federal money, um, to uh, support uh, its employees. We do urge people to check out that reporting at NHPR.org. I want to ask you both before we go, what is next in your reporting? Ali and Paula, what are you working on right now? What stories can listeners expect to see and hear next week? Pa- uh, Ali, let's start with you. Ooh, yes, 
I am working on a really uh, fun story for NHPR's summer job series. Uh-huh. I hung out this week with um, the teenager who does traffic control at the at the very busy Manchester Dairy Queen parking lot. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, look out for that one. <laughs> something fun. We need something fun. We sure do. Yeah. All right. We'll be, we will be watching out for that. I can't wait to hear. And Paula, how about you? What are you, what are you watching for? I'll be working on some reports on uh, the workforce housing initiatives underway um, now. There's about $100 million being offered to help incentivize more housing stock to be built. And there's another $100 million fund also um, provided by federal ARPA funds um, and floated by the governor on how to ease utility burdens this summer and the coming winter, which is expected to be financially brutal. Absolutely. All right. Well, we want to thank you both. NHPR's Ellie Pham and In-Depth New Hampshire's Paula Tracy. Thanks for taking the time this morning to share your reporting with us. Yeah, good to be here. You can find more of their work, by the way, at indepthnh.org and at nhpr.org. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is NHPR.